Welcome to the Progress with Unity podcast, the Sunday edition. Good afternoon, fellas, Paul and Adam. Good afternoon. The game went ahead, which is the main thing yesterday. Just about, yeah. Oxford United 2, Wigan Athletic 3. Before the game, I'd have taken that, I'd have snatched your hands off. After 10 minutes, I wouldn't have done though, because I thought we were going to give them another another roasting. First, we started at pace, didn't we? You know, it's just like our set pieces were superb yesterday, and it looked like every time, every time we attacked, um, you know, we, we we looked like we looked like we could score. But I have to give give Oxford some credit because I think they grew into the game, and I think it was more likely that they would equalise than us scoring a second. And then there were spells in in the second half where you could actually have seen Oxford potentially going on to win it, but we. Again, as we usually do, the last 15 minutes, again, we just got something a bit extra. You know, we just up, upped it, used our substitutes well and, uh, and and got the win. But very, very good game. Two two good sides, two very good sides. Um, you know, we've, we've now won a, you know, two really big away games the last, uh, in the last month at Plymouth and Oxford. Uh, excellent away wins. Yeah, I thought, like you said, they looked quite decent. They were knocking the ball about well. Um, a nice pass inside, but that opening goal of Keynes, it was uh, it was the old corner routine, weren't it? Swing it over to the back post. What more did it back into the centre, and and Keno just nodded it in the back end of the net. The keeper nowhere near it, and they, they know what's coming, but they're hard to deal with. Yeah, I wish he'd nutted that one in last week against Ipswich at the last minute as well. You know, it was uh, would have been nice, but. Yeah, I mean, he's 10 goals now, isn't it, this season? Yeah, you know, as many as he scored. Is it as many as he scored last season in the league? I think it is, yeah. Got 10, yeah. Last, 10 league goals last season, didn't he? I think, I think he scored more goals now in this spell at Wigan than he scored in his entire career. You look for a 20-goal season, man, don't you, as your striker? How many have we got lined up? Lang is, Lang is on 20 a season, Keane's on 20 for the season. You know, on, on, on track for... I think Keynes is more impressive in a way, though, isn't it? In the sense that he doesn't really, um, you know, he comes very deep, doesn't he? Um, you know, times yesterday was having to get into that midfield and get stuck in because we were a bit overrun. And he doesn't, he doesn't tend to score the Langy goals, does he? You know, like when he's through one on one, that type of. Uh, he scored a lot of headers, doesn't he, this season? I, I'd say probably about five at least. Would you say? Yeah, Every yeah, goal. that's. Yeah. I think that's what was surprising about the, the chance he missed last week with the header, because um, he, he scored. I mean, it was almost identical to the one he got at uh, Accrington early in the season, you know, in the opening stages of that game, when the ball was knocked into the near post and he missed that. But anyway, we're, we're talking Oxford here. So the second goal, <laughs> the second goal came just after they'd had an almighty. Missed it, weren't it? You know, Taylor, who, who I said yeah. before the game was he always scores against us, and you know, he was he was on the edge of the six yard box. It hit the bar, it bounced up in the air and hit the bar again. Uh, and then we brought down the other end, Maxi Power doing what he does does best from another good cross as well, wasn't it? Uh, you know, a good, good bit of wing play. I think Lange kept it alive, I think was the word. You know, because it was it was just going over his head, but he's managed to keep it alive. They've not cleared it as well as they could have done, and and power, he's got that in his locker. So I mean, sometimes his shots can be pretty poor, but he, he he'll get you two or three of those a season because he does when he catches it, 
it, it floats in and he's uh, he's got a good record there. I think he's, I think he scored two last time, didn't he? That's uh, uh, in that seven 0 win. Yeah, and it was quite obvious that the Oxford fans uh, didn't, didn't like him. He had a bit of history uh, when he was up at Sunderland with them, I believe. He, he, he scored against them and slid in front of Carl Robinson, punching the air. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, they were booing they were booing Maxley all through the game, but great goal, great goal. We didn't keep put that 2-0 lead for so long, did we? A minute later, they cut him from the right, from our right-hand side, the left, yeah. and side-footed into the back of the net. It was... a a nice goal, I suppose, that one. A well-taken effort. I mean, I guess it's the old thing, the adage that you, you, you're always vulnerable after you've just scored. <laughs> Pretty much, uh, it was within a couple of minutes, wasn't it, of our goal. Yeah, I mean, it made the half-time team talk, I think, a little slightly different to what it would have been if we'd have been two up. I think it would have been two up at half-time. I think we'd have just killed it. It made for an entertaining game, didn't it? It did. And I, I, do you know, I think that's what we tried to do after half time. And uh, it sort of, uh, for me, for me anyway, it caught us off a little bit. We were, we seemed to be defending deep. I thought we sat back a little bit, sort of invited them onto us. I know it's, you know, it takes two to tango and they were putting us under pressure. But I, I still think we, we seem to. We weren't closing down as like we have been in the last few games, you know. High pre- we, we lost that high press that we usually have, and then Taylor got his goal. What I, you know, what I said he would do. Yeah, great cross, wasn't it? You, you need to stop picking out opposition players that always score against us. Well, I'm not going to say it again. Yeah, they always score against us. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but with that goal though, I thought what more? I don't. I think it, it looked like he was caught in two minds because it rolled just in front of him. And if it had stuck a foot out, you know, it would have been diverted away for a corner, but he let it go. Maybe he was unaware that somebody was behind him. Yeah, I suppose in that situation, as you always say with defenders, don't you? If if you don't know what's behind you, then deal with it. And then gamble. You, can, yeah. you reset, don't you, for your corner or whatever it might be. It, gives, it turns what it, what was really a, a 95% chance of him scoring into a, probably a 20% chance of them scoring from a corner. So... End of the day, I mean, he's been a he's been a great player for us this season, hasn't he? What more? It wasn't a, it wasn't a major error. It was just, I guess, a, sort of a, just a little bit of lack of judgment on on that situation. But I thought as a whole, the defense did well again under a lot of pressure. You know, we we had spells where we we struggled, didn't we, to get out of our own half. We were getting a little bit panicky as well. I think at times, you know, just kicking it upfield, weren't we? And we dug in, didn't we? And you know, they're the games that essentially you've got to win. It's a sign of a good team, isn't it? You know, if uh, if, if you're not 100 percent on it, but yet you can still come away with three points against one of the best home sides in the division. Yeah, and that's exactly what we did. 96, oh, sorry, 86th minute. Jimmy McLean, a great through ball from from Massey. Quality ball. He was onto it and he cut in. Nobody closed him down. And he and he again. He does what he does. I think the quality of that ball, and this was frustrating for me in the last home game, was he was given a bit of space to actually get up to speed, wasn't he? Running with the ball before anybody got near him. And like you say, then you just cut in and then smash it in the corner. It's not the first time he's done that this season. Last time we were at home, they were closing down straight away. He couldn't get going with the ball at his feet. He's, for me, he's a better player away from home. I would, I would say if you looked at his average scores, if you like, I'd say he's probably averaging six out of ten at home, eight stroke nine out of ten away, you know, with his performance levels. I mean, his Bolton one was ten for me. And he's had a couple of other crackers away from home as well. 
yesterday. I think he was a, a solid eight, I think. Uh, I've been to coming at left back again, didn't he, for the, for the last 15, 20 minutes as well. Um, yeah, I, it's, it's odd, but I, I do genuinely think that that the opposition crowd, without knowing it, they just basically give him that extra boost. It's almost like he feeds off it, doesn't he? He needs he needs them to be giving him loads of stick, and it, it just ups his game. That just that extra few percent, doesn't it? <laughs> it does indeed. Yeah, and uh, talking of performances around the team, there were some some really good performances. There were some under par performances. It, I thought we lacked a little bit of energy. We still got stuck in. Tom Naylor again, always, always, like you say, he's always a seven. I thought uh, the two centre-backs did very well, Tilt especially. He, he had a great block in the second half. Tore him apart again with that run as well, didn't oh, he? that run, yeah. <laughs> and one as a free kick. Yeah. It was fantastic, that one. He, he, he run from edge of our box to edge of their box, but out, out wide left. Brilliant, yeah. I thought Massey had a good game as well. I know he's, he's took a little bit of stick, very unjustified. But I thought he had a good game. It goes in, he yeah. does a job that he's asked to do. Yeah, I give I want to give him a mention when I was putting my man of the match perform uh, performance submission in. You know, I think he's has over the last couple of seasons, I think he's he's had a lot of, sometimes it's gone way too far, the stick he's got. Do you know what? I I don't think he's doing too different a job really than what he did four years ago in this division. You know, end of the day, our player of the season played on the same side as him. And I think Massey made Nathan Byrne the player of the season because of the way he did his job, you know. And, and it was good yesterday that he, you know, he got a key pass in there as well, didn't he? You know, yeah, sometimes he... wingers do have bad ones, but, you know, they, you can't say that he's he, he's not an important player for us because Liam Richardson clearly trusts him. I think the thing with, with Gavin Massey is his discipline on the pitch. He's very disciplined. He does the job. He, he can tell he's one of those players where... He carries the manager's instructions out onto the pitch and carries them out that he's asked to do, you know. And sometimes, perhaps to the detriment of his own performance, where he's he's not got that free role where he can just break away. He, he, he like you say, Nathan Byrne benefited greatly from him, and I think Tendai Dariko does as well when he's bursting forward, masses covering back for him, and and these things go unnoticed, don't they? Especially by wingers who are usually like fancy floor players. He, he, he can play right back as well. Well, he has done, hasn't he? He played right wing back at least once. Yeah. But well, I, I mean, the, the thing for me, and and I got involved in an argument with with somebody who was slagging him off. Has he made any mistakes? You know, when we, we look to, you know, we, we've had, we've had a few games where you've looked at one player who's given the ball away three or four times. I can't remember him making much in the way of mistakes. He, he's been steady. And he's done his, like you say, he's absolutely done his job. He's not shown off that flair so much. But I always think, especially when you've had niggly injuries, it's going to take you a few games to get up to speed, isn't it? And just trust your body when, you know, when you've had niggle after niggle and then a, a bad one. I, I've got no complaints whatsoever. I'm glad he's still with us anyway, you know, and he, he's the only one, hasn't he, really? He's stuck, stuck around, isn't he? I mean, I think just him and... Jamie Jones. Jamie Jones and Tom mm-hmm. Pearson, isn't it? Him and Jamie Jones came in before, just before Pierce, didn't they? No, um, I meant like from start to finish of administration, you know. Oh, right. Yeah, Sorry, so, I thought, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jones and Massey are our two longest serving players, aren't they? Yeah, four or five years now, aren't they? You know, yeah. and they've both done key jobs when they've been needed. Talking of man of the match, the poll was open on both Facebook and Twitter. Uh, it looked like it was going to be a close one thing at one stage. 
but it turned out not to be. Tilty was in second place on the pole with Max Power winning the uh, Man of the Match accolades. Progress with Unity listeners, Man of the Match, as voted by the listeners on both Twitter and Facebook, is Wigan Athletics number eight, Max Power. I love the way even away stadium announcers say his name. They always say it with that, Max Power. It was a a, a great display from Max. He picked up a booking and scored a goal. Uh, We had 42% of possession, so they just shared that. Oxford had 14 shots with two on target. We had eight shots with four on target, so we were more proficient with our shooting. Foil content. They foiled us 10 times and they dove 19 times and we lost three kicks for that reason. Uh, Yellow count. There was two yellows to Oxford. We picked up five. Dariqua, Watmore, Power, Naylor and McLean. I heard... Tactical fouls mentioned. They seem to uh, have this in their head that we were making tactical fouls. But I, I think it was more them winning tactical fouls by going down screaming for a free kick. I don't buy that at all. The attendance of 8,354 with 924 away fans. A fantastic, a fantastic effort from all those who went yesterday. Well done. View from the Ormond. Hmm. Robinson's interview after the game where he mentioned that we had the luxury of bringing on million-pound substitutes. And the subs that came on were Guion Edwards, who was a free transfer, and Stevie Humphries, who cost us 150 grand. So I I don't really know what he's talking about. It's a standard refrain, isn't it? We hear it week in, week out. When everybody that comes on comes from the academy or were free transfers, you'll still hear about how much money Wigan's got and we can't compete and blah de, blah de. It's just boring, isn't it, now? We have got a, a wage bill that's quite high, I think, for this level. But end of the day, you know, we, we were starting from zero. To attract players in, you probably did have to pay them a little bit more because we were, you know, we were unknown, you know, an un- unknown entity, really, weren't we, for a lot of those players. To be fair to those players, though, you can tell that they certainly haven't just come for the money because they within the space of, you know, a few months, they're a proper team. I would imagine our wage bill is not what's drawing players in, or certainly not just what's drawing players in. I think there's a lot of players here because it's us and they they can see what's happened to survive administration the way we did and think, hang on a minute, there's there's something special there. And that's why they've turned, they've decided to sign for us. Well said, Paul. View from the away end. We had Scott Walkinshaw on last week from... Ox Tweeter, who did a preview for us of the game. And I've read his match report and I've pulled a paragraph out, which I'm going to read now because it makes a lot of sense, this. And I know yesterday we weren't at our best with the way we played. So the Oxford fans would have seen something that perhaps we're not used to. And what he said in this in this paragraph, talking about us, you can see that Wigan are built for promotion. There are no bells and whistles, no deep philosophy. They're a unit designed to generate results. They believe that they don't belong in League One and aren't going to waste any energy trying to leave a legacy that will live long in the memory of those left behind. Someone described them as anti-football, but football has never been solely based on entertainment. Otherwise, results will be decided by a jury. And I thought that that's a really good analysis, though, for, for an away supporter who's just seen his team lose a game, you know, with four minutes to go. I thought, I thought it was quite good, that. I think, like you said, yesterday was probably an example of 
one way that we can, one way we play sometimes, you know, when we need to play, we need to dig in. We did it at Plymouth, you know, and we were effective at digging in and we rely on our quality to get us through, you know, in the, in the key moments. We've also had other ways of playing where we've been absolutely phenomenal. You know, Accrington football was brilliant. Bolton, brilliant. You know, those those two away games at Wimbledon and uh, at Gillingham, you know, the, it's really good football. So I think we've got, what we've got is is we've got different ways of playing uh, when we need to. I mean, I think at home it's it's just I think like like Paul said, isn't it? Sometimes like that, it's a it's a patience game at home, war of attrition at times because the the opposition tend to sit in, and it's not the most entertaining at home. But away from home, generally we've played some fantastic football this this season, uh, and, and yesterday was just a you know an example of where we've had to dig in against a side that I'm pretty certain will be in the top six at the end of the season. You know, so for me, that, that that's a testament to uh, the good coaching. Uh, and, and when I say coaching, not just Liam Richardson, the entire coaching team, I think, fantastic for me. Um, and and re- really fair piece that. Based on the assessment of yesterday's game, I, I couldn't disagree with anything that he, he said in that paragraph. As the uh, fans arrived yesterday, Mal Brannigan were waiting with a big pile of Christmas cards. I mean, what a lovely gesture that is. Yeah, I, it, it's one of those things, isn't it, that cost-wise, how much it costs to print them cards and, and, and do them. No, I mean, as you know, one of the ones that, that you've had done for us. Well, they were a fortune then. Hang on a minute. <laughs> yeah, but on, on the scale that the club's printed them at, they're probably not that expensive. They're worth a lot more than what they cost. A brilliant gesture. And, and doing it to the away fans as well, because obviously they're your, your diehards, aren't they? The ones, ones going away. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. Can't argue with it at all. I think it probably will be copied by some other clubs, which tells you exactly all you need to know. Great gesture. So uh, another round of applause for the uh, the new owners. They, they don't seem to do any any wrong, do they? They just they get us, they get the club, and they've bought into it in more ways than one. Carl Robinson ruined my golden anniversary. He did. And yesterday brought it all back to me. The reason he ruined it was because on the 20th of November, 1971, I attended my first ever Wigan Athletic game. The 20th of November, 2021, we were supposed to play Oxford United at home, which would have been the golden anniversary of my first ever appearance watching the Latics, 50 years. And uh, he managed to get that game called off. It's been rearranged for the 1st of February, which we and the world knows is the day before my birthday. So. I'm just hoping I can get a chance to grab a word with uh, Mr. Robinson uh, before that game and, and let him know how gutted I was that he did do that to me on that particular day. Some results from yesterday, or the only games played in, in League One yesterday, were Cambridge nil, Rotherham 1, Ipswich 1, Sunderland 1, Markham nil, Fleetwood nil, Plymouth Argyle 1, Charlton nil. That's the first game that... Uh, Johnny Jackson has lost as manager and the first game that Schumacher has won as manager. Mm. And I I uh, signalled this out as going to be the game of the day and it nearly was. Shrewsbury Town, three, ten men. Cheltenham Town, one. Quick mention about the crowd at Ipswich, 29,000. I thought yeah. you were going to say how many cases of COVID then. <laughs> yeah, well done Ipswich and Sutherland for getting an extra four points for having an absolutely massive Massive attendance. Yeah, super spreaders. <laughs> Talal's pens are back. If people were checking out Twitter yesterday, he tweeted his pen and said the best yet. 
I think the best thing about Talal's pen coming out already is, you know, obviously nothing's going to happen for another week and a half, but there's obviously something being, there's a deal in the cat on the cards, isn't there? They obviously know what they're doing. You know, they're not just panic buying. At least one deal, Paul. At least one. At least, deal. At least one. Yeah. Well, we, maybe we, more. We said we need we need one, don't we? Minimum, maybe two or three. We need. Yesterday was a great example of exactly what Charlie White brings to the team and what we miss when he's not there. But we yeah. already know all this, and we, we could do with a, a similar type of player. I think somebody can hold the ball up, win the headers, and hold it up. State of play re-COVID. We've got crew on Boxing Day. I think everybody's a little bit nervous about what's going to happen this week. Are we going to have a break? Is it going to continue? Is it going to continue without games? Is the EFL going to take a waiting for the Premier League to make a decision and follow suit? What do we think? For me, I don't think going behind closed doors is is something that's sustainable because the finances, the situation. question is whether, obviously, we say to take the lead from the Premier League, but I think it will be taking the lead from the government, really. I'd be surprised if football is curtailed if there isn't any steering from the government. I know last time they kind of did, didn't they, right at the start, because football shut down, didn't it, before the country shut down? Because if you remember, football had shut down and yet the the Gold Cup still took place at Cheltenham. You know, the government could have intervened there, couldn't they, and and, and got it um, got it called off. That was last time, but I think this time, because of the finances... I don't know whether they want to risk sort of curtailing the league because there's not going to be, is there going to be any money there? There's no, probably no furlough scheme this time as well. I think from a medical perspective, the data that's coming out of South Africa is that Omicron is, is not producing the, the serious illness that the Delta and, and the original wave were producing. And of course, anybody sensible in this country has got vaccine immunity anyway. Games will carry on going out. I mean, you just don't want them being cancelled like that Oxford game was at one o'clock on the day of the game, do you, with a three o'clock kickoff? Yesterday, Burnley Villa yesterday, you know, two hours before kickoff, wasn't it? Yeah, you know, uh, that's what you don't want. I don't think a, a two week break will do it any good anyway. When you come back, you, you're still, still going to be knocking around, isn't it? Well, we've got this all winter now, so. It's, what, it's what, what else happens as well, isn't it? I mean, if football stops, but, but yeah hospitality continues it's like well football's shooting itself in the foot really isn't it? it's basically people be taking their entertainment to the pubs rather than the football grounds for me it's a form of entertainment unless they basically lock everything down then i just can't see why football would would make that decision themselves really unilaterally to to curtail the curtail the season we'll probably be discussing this on wednesday when we're back because then we might be uh a word of more information by then. Yeah, we uh, might not have a choice. We might not, but we'll definitely be back on Wednesday no matter what happens. Hopefully with a preview of the Boxing Day game, which we're all looking forward to. And we've got a crew fan who's already recorded an interview with us, so that'll go out anyway. And it is a good interview. With that in mind, so goodbye from me. Goodbye. See goodbye you on from Wednesday. Up the ticks. Up the ticks.